What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. I may not even tell you what day it is when I'm recording this because I'm not going to post it today. No, I'll tell you. It's Friday, May 13th. Recording here ahead of the beginning of the Cardinals series against the Giants. But as I mentioned in the last episode, I was going to try and record a podcast for this weekend that didn't have anything to do with the games themselves, but wanted to talk about the trade proposition. It's not a real trade rumor. It's not a trade proposal. It's not something that's imminently going to happen. However, it is interesting, and I think it's worth some conversation because when I posted the poll on it on Twitter, haven't done so many trade polls in recent years, and for people that wonder why, I find it a little bit difficult to trade poll guys who maybe that night I'm walking into the clubhouse and trying to talk to that guy, right? Ask questions about that day's game. So usually I stick to maybe prospects because those are the kinds of trades that happen more often than not where prospects are traded away for major league talent. And that's not to say those prospects don't eventually turn into major league talented players, but I find it a little bit easier to trade away hypothetically guys that I've not met. But With this one, it was Jim Bowden that put it out there anyway, which is not to say I haven't met Nolan Gorman. And it's not to say that I think the Cardinals should trade away Nolan Gorman, which is what I'm going to get into in this podcast. Because here was the proposal from Jim Bowden of The Athletic in an article that he wrote recently, just throwing out some potential trades that he'd like to see happen across Major League Baseball. Former MLB GM, columnist now for The Athletic, Jim Bowden put this out there. Nolan Gorman to the Boston Red Sox for Xander Bogarts. Shortstop of the Red Sox. Great hitter. Big-time name. Contract situation a little bit tricky, though, with Bogarts because he's able to opt out of his deal after this season. So, essentially, he's a free agent if he wants to be this, this winter. And so, because of that, Bowden said, as part of this trade, it would be contingent upon Xander Bogart's signing an extension with the Cardinals that locks him in for the future and guarantees both sides of exactly what it would be from a contract standpoint. He suggested something in the neighborhood of eight years, $216 million, which is a hefty contract to be sure. But that was the proposal. That was the, those were the terms through which I ran this trade poll on Twitter a couple days ago. And it got, Quite a lot of reaction. Two things make a good trade poll. Taking you behind the curtain a little bit. There are two elements that make one really successful, in my mind. At least with what I used to try to do when I would concoct these trade ideas and and post them as polls. For Cardinals fans on Twitter, at bshafer12, to give their thoughts. One of them is, I want it to be a pretty even vote between yes and no. That doesn't mean it has to be realistic to what major league teams would do. Because we really have no idea, right? Sometimes it's going to be more realistic than others. I've found that often the trades that seem to get made, if you were to have put those into a trade poll a month prior, the people on Twitter probably would vote it to happen because the ones that we often put on Twitter aren't really realistic from the Cardinals' standpoint. At least that's the way it would seem. Like, I might put a poll out there that's 50-50, but the people saying no 
would be saying, I would do it if you took out this great prospect leaving the Cardinals and, and put in this other guy that another team may not want as much. And I reply, well, if that were the case, the trade probably doesn't get done in real life. And so 50-50 on the trade poll on Twitter doesn't necessarily indicate that it's a fair and even deal, a deal that would be made. Of course, sometimes, not in our wildest dreams, could we imagine the kinds of deals the Cardinals could get. The Nolan Arenado one comes to mind. If I had posted that in a poll with all the details, the $50 million the Rockies gave the Cardinals in that one, it would have gotten 90% yes, and people would have been yelling at me for being so unrealistic. So sometimes it can go the other way. But generally, a 50-50 poll is what I'm shooting for, regardless of realism. And the other element that makes it so successful is when outside of a 50-50 vote, you can actually make compelling arguments on both sides of it. You can see for both teams what the benefit would be. And I think in this case, that's what happened because we got 54.7% to 45.3%. That's a pretty even spot. That's a pretty even split, I should say. That's hilarious. I said spot. I meant to say split. And the reason I'm going to keep it in is because I can talk about how brains work. Right as I was saying that line, an email notification popped up that I guess my wife had gone ahead and purchased our parking for the trip we're about to take this weekend at the parking spot. And so when I meant to say split, I was reading the word spot and my brain got confused and that's what came out. So there's a little aside. I have too many of those. Moving on, 54.7 to 45.3%, pretty close on that vote. 4,680 votes, so a good sample size. And I think the reason it was a good sample size because it was compelling. You can make an argument on both sides, which led to a pretty even vote, which means a lot of people want to share their opinion. 74 comments, a lot of good stuff on that. At B. Schaefer 12, I tweeted that out on May 11th. I recommend reading through that, letting your voice be heard in the comments section as well, even if uh, even though you can't vote anymore because the, the polls are closed on that one. 54.7% were actually on the no side of this trade, 45.3% on the yes. But you read some of the comments and they say, I can't imagine how anybody would say no to this trade if you're a Cardinal fan. And yet 54%, nearly 55% did, which makes it kind of interesting. Here's the way I see this one breaking down. Cardinals have this great hitting prospect, Nolan Gorman. And right now they've got a problem with their productivity offensively as a team, you can say across the board, but I think if you were to whittle down the positions that are up for debate, the positions that you could make changes at those spots in order to try to generate more offense, shortstop is at the top of the list, and DH is probably another one that you could make an argument for. And it's very interesting the way that Nolan Gorman could fit into both of those categories in his own little way. Because he's not going to play shortstop, but you could foresee a path to playing time for Gorman by the team changing its shortstop to Tommy Edmond, right? He's been playing second base. He's a gold glover there. Is he good enough, sound enough defensively to make the switch to shortstop? A lot of people seem to think it's worth a try to find out based on what Nolan Gorman has been doing at AAA Memphis. On Thursday, hit his 13th home run of the year, up to 20 RBIs. Hitting 286, a 347 on base, and a 661 slugging percentage for an OPS of 1,008. So still above 1,000 there on the OPS. 13 home runs and 124 plate appearances. That's better than 
a homer every 10 PAs and uh, just 112 at-bats. So every eight or nine at-bats, he's hitting a home run. That's pretty good. The strikeout rate is too high. There's no doubt about that. Looks like uh, doing some quick math here. It's over 33%. He strikes out a ton. However, that's a trade-off that you're willing to make in modern MLB, right? You don't mind the strikeouts. And I say you. I'm talking you general. I'm talking the game. What is the game reward? Maybe not us. As fans of the game, we may not feel that way. I don't like watching a bunch of guys strike out. It's cool when your pitcher's doing it, but it's not as interesting to watch the strikeouts pile up. But even some of the best hitters in the game, that's just something that comes with the territory at this point. We don't mind it the way we used to as a sport. The game rewards damage. It rewards power. And if you strike out two, that's okay. And so for Nolan Gorman, that is a concern. But it also may just be baked in as part of his game. He's 22 years old now, still below average age for a AAA player. But getting to that point where he's old enough to where you can give him that shot in Major League Baseball and see what he is at this point, wouldn't you like to know? That's kind of the way a lot of Cardinals fans see it with Nolan Gorman because the power and the damage is there. So if he comes up and he's just striking out all the time and he's not hitting those powerful shots in addition to the strikeouts, then we have a problem. But you don't know until you try it, I think is the way a lot of Cardinals fans are looking at this. And they feel the same way about the idea of Tommy Edmund playing shortstop. And so... If you were to make that move and call up Nolan Gorman, you're able to slot him in at second base. He's not going to be a plus defender, but he can probably do well enough. That's where he's been playing at Memphis, playing right now alongside Paul DeYoung, who's there on a rehab assignment. And so that would be a way to get his bat into the lineup. The other spot I mentioned was DH. You could get his bat into the lineup that way if you stop giving DH opportunities to Albert Pujols against right-handed pitching because Gorman is a lefty bat. Cardinals sorely lack left-handed hitting power. And again, doesn't matter what side of the plate you hit from. Really, it's more specifically about the Cardinals sorely lack the ability to mash right-handed pitching. As a lefty bat, the idea would be that Gorman could do that. That that would be a skill set that he would possess. And so you put him in the lineup at the DH position against right-handed pitching. Albert doesn't do it. He plays strictly against lefties. Chris, Chris Dickerson. Corey Dickerson maybe is just not suited to be a designated hitter. What do you want to see from a DH? You want to see production offensively. You want to see power. Gorman can provide that, we think. Or at least I think the Cardinals should take a moment to find out. But they paid Corey Dickerson $5 million, and he's still here, and I'm not sure exactly what his upside is. We know what the, the median base performance would be from him. It would be good batting average, good on-base percentage, good bat-to-ball, good maybe good pinch hitter off the bench. He could be a guy that could could put the ball in play off the bench in a situation where you just need a single. He could do that. But I don't think you need him in your lineup. Not on a very frequent basis. And when you consider who he's blocking right now, that's another element to this consideration, I think. And so that's why Nolan Gorman's name gets brought up so much. And, and national people are apparently starting to notice because it wasn't even just Jim Bowden that made this, this proposition. J.P. Morosi talked about it a little bit on MLB Network as well, that this could be an interesting one if the Red Sox were to make Bogarts available. Let's talk a little more specifically about the trade. Why would the Red Sox do that to begin with? He's a good player. What would be their reasoning? Well, they're 11-20 and right now to start the season. That's not so good. 
and it's possible that they end up falling out of the race in what is a very competitive AL East. I guess they're in last place right now because that's a worse record than the Orioles, who just beat the Cardinals two out of three. Blue Jays are a good team. Yankees, one of the best teams in baseball so far. Tampa Bay, another very competitive team. And so there's just not really a path, I think, for Boston this year. And if they fall out of the race, it would be a consideration because of the structure of Bogart's contract. He could opt out of the contract after this year. So basically anything beyond 2022, those next three years of his contract at $20 million apiece, probably not worth talking about because he might want to get a bigger slice of that pie before he gets too old to, to be able to do it. If right now, Xander Bogart, by the way, having a really good season, that's part of this too. Offensively, he would be an answer for the Cardinals at shortstop. The reason we're talking about this is because of the Cardinals' lack of offensive productivity and the fact that shortstop is an answer right now. And I gave you the ways that Nolan Gorman could maybe provide that fix, but the Cardinals so far have been hesitant to do either of those things, move Tommy Edmund to short or call Nolan Gorman to the big leagues to be a DH. They haven't done either of them, and so that's why people start to wonder, well, are they concerned about the fit? Where is he going to play? Like, yeah, it seems at this point that they are. Maybe it's service time. I've talked about how I, I literally have no idea why we would still be talking about service time in mid-May because late April is when that is done. That's not a factor anymore. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me maybe I am this year. They changed it, and I didn't see the rule change for this year. That's possible. But otherwise, I just don't know why the Cardinals wouldn't bring him up if they're not just that Deathly concerned about the fit defensively and the knowledge that, again, when he gets here, you've got to play him every day. I agree with that part. He needs to be an everyday player when he arrives. And so that's why the Cardinals have waited. When you call up Juan Yepes, you want to see him play, and people say, oh, you got to keep his bat in the lineup when he's hitting well. That's true. But he's not that caliber of prospect that you're worried about blocking. I don't think he's turned himself into that. He might at some point. If he keeps doing what he's doing right now, that – I'll start to agree with the people on Cardinals Twitter who continue to tell me, well, he's their everyday DH for the next five years. So, you know, what are they going to do with Gorman? I don't view it that way. I don't think you have to trade Gorman. I don't think that Juan Yepes is automatically your DH for the next five years. Cardinals don't do that. They don't want to have a DH that just, that's all he is. He's your DH and nobody else can ever take the spot. No, they want that flexibility. They want to give Paul Goldsmith a day off of his feet in the field the way they did yesterday when they had Albert play first base. They're not going to just say and designate, this is our designated hitter for the rest of time. It's not the way it's going to work. That's why Juan Yepes has been playing a lot of corner outfield. I don't know if he's good at it. I don't think he's that good at it, but it doesn't matter. Like, they're going to do what they're going to do. Look at what the Dodgers do. They made Bellinger a center fielder. He was a first baseman. Is he pretty adept in center field? Yeah, he does a nice job. But I'm just saying, like, these are the kinds of moves that other teams are willing to make. And so the, the fact that the Cardinals are so stymied by well, where do we put Gorman? I don't think there is – I'm going to give them more credit than that. I'm going to give them more credit than I think Twitter does to say, well, clearly they've got to trade him. But those questions are going to begin to arise when you have this guy tearing it up at AAA and you're not calling him up while your big league offense continues to suffer. And you say, well, Brendan, they scored well, they scored 15 runs in the last series. Sure, 10 of them came in one game. That's not – that is not offensive consistency. And so – I don't care what your runs per game average is. Tell me how many times you're going to score three or fewer runs because it's been half their games this year that they've scored three or fewer runs. That's not good. You can't. You cannot ask your pitching staff to be able to win you the majority of games when your offense can't score more than three runs. And so it's, it's not a sustainable model. They've got to figure out something offensively. And that's the reason these kinds of trade conversations pop up. And so Xander Bogarts would certainly be 
a boost offensively. He's hitting 345, 397 on base, 466 slug. So not a super powerful guy, just two home runs this year. Great contact hitter. 27 strikeouts in 126 plate appearances. And for modern day, that's that's a pretty good approach. That's about 20% strikeout rate if, if you count it off of PAs, which I feel like you would. If it's based off of batting average, it's even less. Or pardon me, if it's based off of at-bats, it's less. But only 27 strikeouts and 126 plate appearances. That's pretty solid. The batting average is fantastic. On-base near 400 is unbelievable. Now, that would be a career high for Bogarts, but it's pretty darn good. That's what he's doing right now. Would be tremendous to add that kind of bat and that kind of consistent veteran production to your lineup. 29 years old. Be great. But again, he can opt out after this year. And so, like, for the people who say, oh, this is prospect hoarding. If you're just trying to hoard prospects, you'll never win a championship that way. You've got to be willing to give to get. Totally agree with that. But here's why I will admit that I think I come down on the no side of the trade proposal, just like 54% of the voters did, 54.7 to be specific. Nearly 5,000 votes. It did lean no, and I'm on that side as well. Because I, I just think there are too many elements to this that could cause the Cardinals issues. I don't know how I would rank them in order. It's not that Nolan Gorman turning into a superstar is the top one either, because I think he can be a very good player, but he does have holes in his swing. It's clear. If you're striking out 33% of the time in AAA, you've got holes. He could fix those holes and become great. That's possible. But to expect that, I think, would be a little bit much. You'd be asking a little much. But can he be better than what Paul DeYoung has been? Absolutely. He can provide power. I certainly think he could step into the Cardinals lineup right now and do that. He could definitely be a boost. But if you're not willing to do that, these conversations are going to pop up. What would Xander Bogarts fix? It's evident. He would be a shortstop that would slot in and turn the Cardinals into a legit contender because he would lengthen their lineup. Assuming Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson come along, not to where they were last year even, but just to a reasonable degree, the way we've seen Goldsmith do after his slow start, you would have a really dynamic one through six at least in your lineup. You have a really good lineup for St. Louis. Edmund, Goldsmith, Arenado, O'Neill, Bogarts, Carlson. It's a pretty good one through six if those guys are, are hitting to their capabilities. And so that's the obvious answer. That's what it would give you. Now, the risks, I think, outweigh the benefit. Unless the Cardinals win the World Series this year, which they could do with Xander Bogarts. I, I do think they have that kind of team if they get their stuff together. The pitching has been so good. Miles Michaelis, 1.49 ERA. He's been great. You haven't even seen Jack Flaherty throw a pitch just yet, and he still has a chance to do that. And then you've got Wainwright. It's a pretty dirty one through three. Any order you want to put him. Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson, those guys could be weapons if you get to the playoffs. I really think this team's got a, a good thing going. They've got a really good bullpen. There's a lot to like about this year's Cardinals team, but they're underperforming right now offensively more so than other ways. And Bogarts would fix that. He would go a long way toward fixing that. Here's why I come down on the no side of the trade, though. Got to move this along. One reason is it's possible Nolan, Nolan Gorman could fix that, right? Nolan Gorman could go a long way toward fixing it, too. But you say, well, yeah, moving Tommy Edmond to shortstop, that that hurts your defense. Cardinals don't want to do that. Their, de their defense is important for this pitching staff who pitches to contact. Couldn't agree more. But if that's the argument you want to make, don't turn around and tell me Xander Bogarts is the answer because he's a bad shortstop. Defensively, he's not good. Look at the metrics. Look at the numbers. He's just not a really good, a very good fielder. 
Defensive runs saved. I'm just going to pick it out. Since 2015, as a primary shortstop, here are the numbers. Defensive runs saved for Xander Bogarts. Making sure I'm getting the right one here. Yep, minus 3, minus 10, minus 11, minus 8, minus 9, minus 4, minus 5, minus 5 already this season in just 28 games. Can't necessarily trust all that in a small sample. I get it. But when consistently the metrics are telling you that same thing every year, he's a minus defender at shortstop, I don't think you can you can justify not giving Nolan Gorman, who's going to play for 700000 a try in your lineup by moving and, and sacrificing your defense up the middle. But you're willing to do it with Bogarts, who's 29, who could be phenomenal this year, and you'd have to sign him to an extension that would cost you, again, this was an estimate by Bowden, but eight years, $216 million. Do the math on that. It's not $30 million a year, but it's it's north of 25, right? Eight and 25 would be 200 mil. So you're talking about $27 million a year, average annual value, for a 29-year-old shortstop who already isn't good defensively at that position. Is that your long-term answer at shortstop? No. To me, no. Offensively, it's great. But if you're going to play the defense argument, this is not this is not the guy. As a rental, I think he'd be a great acquisition. You trade for him, you say, yeah, we might sacrifice defense a little bit, but we've got a gold glover still at second base. We can put Bogarts at shortstop, see what happens, and maybe, just maybe, that elevates our offense into a, a contender a World Series contender caliber offense to go along with the pitching and the defense and the bullpen that we have. I would be on board with that argument. I think Gorman is too big of a price to pay for just a rental, isn't he? He's been one of your top prospects going back several years, ever since he was drafted in the first round. But to be fair, that's why Bowden put that caveat in there. Like, this is contingent. My idea here is contingent upon this contract being signed. I got to say, the contract is the worst part of it for me, for the Cardinals. Nolan Gorman, he might not be Xander Bogarts as a hitter. And in fact, I can almost tell you that he wouldn't be. Bogarts has been one of the consistently great hitters in the league for years now. Start back in 2015. I'll give you the OPS. That's on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. It's a, it's a great number that kind of waters it down to one stat to tell you how a guy's doing. If you're over 800, that'd be pretty good. Cardinals don't have many of those guys. Edmonds above 800 right now. Arenado's above 800. He's close to 1,000. But that's about it. Goldschmidt has gotten himself above 800, I believe, recently. He's more of a 900 or upper 800s guy for his career. But if you're in those 800s, 900s, you're doing something right. Since 2015, here's Bogarts, 776, 802, 746, 883, 939, 867, 863, 862. That's money on the consistency spectrum. If you add that to your lineup, you are going to improve period, the end, and to expect Nolan Gorman to be over his career a lifetime hitter in that range of what Bogarts has done the last five years, around 870 for his average OPS the last five years, I think you're I think you're living a pipe dream. Not that he can't be a really good hitter. Nolan Gorman can be, but he'd have to be more of a 30-home run guy. And Bogarts is doing that by only hitting 30 home runs in one of those seasons, 2019. Otherwise, he has been 23, 11, 23. And the 11 was the, the, the shortened COVID season. So that's about 25 on if he played a full year. He's a 20 to 20, you know, he's a 25 home run guy, typically. This year, he's even lower than that because he's only hit two of them. But the numbers have stayed just the same because he's even higher in on-base percentage. He's got a really high batting average. Those are the kinds of players that Cardinals fans love because they, 
They don't strike out a whole ton relative to the rest of the league, and they give you good at-bats, and they do it consistently day after day. That's Xander Bogarts, and it sounds like a dream offensively. But I, I think I would worry about the contract, which is what this whole thing about. Is, is, Gore, is Gorman worth being the guy that you give up to make this deal happen? Folks, let me tell you a story about the Phillies from 2013 to 2017. Remember that Phillies team the Cardinals ousted in the 2011 playoffs? Ryan Howard had, uh, I believe it was the Achilles tear going down to first base on the final play. And what happened to the Phillies after that? I can give you an answer. They won about half their games in 2012, and then for the next five years, they were a losing team. Bad team. Sometimes losing over 90 games. Upper 80s, 90s, pretty much every year. In, in the loss category. Not a contender for five years. Cardinals have had some lean periods, I guess you could say. But for the most part, it's been exceptional the way they have contended year in and year out. The latter years of the Mike Matheny era, 2017, 2018, those were kind of rough. Right? Didn't make the playoffs in 16 either. That's as bad as it's been, though. And even in those years, the Cardinals were down to the last week of the season pretty much, or sometimes the final day before you knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. And that is not what we're talking about here with the, the Phillies of 13 to 17. But what happened to them? They had too many big contracts of aging players that all kind of expired at the same time. I don't mean the contracts expired. I mean the talent did. They all got old. They all got old at the same time, and suddenly you weren't able to get out of it. And so that hurts your ability to spend. And I would say Philly and St. Louis comparable with, with willingness to spend. I know you can say St. Louis smaller market, but DeWitt, for as much as people want to make the jokes about being cheap, he's got Goldsmith and Arenado on this team. Are, are they keeping up with inflation? No, but that's probably hard to do right now because inflation's out of control. But they've got a decent payroll. They're, they're, they, do some t- they do some things that are cheaping out sometimes. Not re-signing Colton Wong, bringing him back. That was a cheap move. Don't give me the excuse about 2020 being COVID. They didn't know about revenues. I will not buy it. It's hogwash. It was just a convenient way to to frame that. You'll never convince me otherwise. I didn't agree with it then. I don't agree with it now. Tommy Edmonds is a great second baseman. You could have had both of them on the same team. So that one is what it is. But for the most part, DeWitt's been willing to spend. And he's put a winner out consistently throughout his time as the chairman of the team. So I'll, I'll compare that to Philly and say, all right, they had some big contracts. They had some big names. Here's the Cardinals version of that, though. Goldsmith, he's 34 already. Arenado's around 30 years old. Bogarts will be turning 30 in the fall. Arenado's making like 30 mil a year. Goldsmith, close to that. On this contract, it'd be close to that for Bogarts. You'd have about 80 million plus tied up per year in these three players. That would be your core financially. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to re-sign Jack Flaherty anyway when the time comes. And maybe he won't even be worth it based on the injuries if he's not able to rebound. But I think he will rebound and be fine, and be a really good pitcher like we know him to be. But I think he's, yeah, he's probably going elsewhere in free agency, if I had to guess. This isn't news to anybody if you've been kind of reading the tea leaves, I don't think. But you can forget about that with a Xander Bogart's contract, and you can also forget about just the ability, I think, and I'm going to use that word differently. I'm not going to say the ability of the front office and the ownership to to spend big on other acquisitions as they're needed. I'm just going to say the willingness, because you just know that if the salaries are so high for these guys and you're not close to being a winner, it's just there is going to be a limit. Not because they can't do it. I think they they make a great revenue and have a great business model. 
Ballpark Village, like they could spend more if they wanted to always, but that's not just DeWitt. That's every owner. That's every ownership group. They could always spend more because the revenues in baseball are outstanding. It's a profitable business, no matter what you're told. But there is an upper limit to what you're realistically going to see. And I think Goldsmith and Arenado are great players. And I think they're going to be great for the next several years. And I think Bogarts is a great hitter. I think he would be a great hitter for the next several years. But what happens if I'm wrong? What happens if, heaven forbid, Goldsmith, instead of just performing like the baseball hitting robot that he seems to be, loses a step? in the next year or two, and the the back half of his contract isn't so great. Let's say the same thing happens to Arenado on the other side of 30, and let's say, and you can imagine this more easily, the same thing happening to Bogarts on the other side of 30. And the reason I say you can imagine it with him is, and I'm sure he has a great work ethic. I know, though, the work ethic of the other two guys because I've seen it, and I don't doubt it for a moment. But with Bogarts, he's already not a good defender at shortstop. And so I could just see him not aging as gracefully. And if all that happens at the same time and you look at a team that has Goldsmith, Arenado, and Bogarts and say, if those are your three best players, you're not a contending team just because their skills diminish. Like today, you're one of the better teams in baseball if those are your three best players. That's that's something that plays. Three years from now, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think it can be. But I'm just saying it's a what if. And is that what if worthwhile to say, yep, if you've got 80-plus million tied up in those three guys, for X amount of years, is that going to limit what I think they can do with the rest of the, or what they're going to do with the rest of the roster, whether they can or not? I would say yes. And so that's a risk you're taking on. I think with two of them and with the particular two that they have, Goldsmith and Arenado, you're fine. I don't think you're in payroll hell. I don't think there's a window. I don't think that I don't like that term championship window because I think the Cardinals can sustain their success. They've done it for 20 years, right? More than 20 years at this point, about 22 years. And so I think they can continue to sustain that success, and they're very aware of that, which is why they probably won't consider this deal in the first place. They're not going to have a third guy making that kind of money at the age that he would be at, I don't think. The two that they have, though, I think that's sustainable, and I think both of them can age gracefully and have solid, productive years in the the latter years of these contracts, Arenado and Goldie. I think, though, adding Xander Bogarts on that kind of contract – I'm not saying it would happen that they would become the mid-2010s Phillies when they were just terrible. I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying you open yourself up to that risk more so than you are now. The other part of it is, if you were willing to do that, let's say that doesn't bother you. You say, nope, I trust those players in particular, and they'll be good for a long time. It'll be They'll be good contracts, all three of them. That's fine. I won't even disagree with you. But I would submit this. If that's how you feel, and you're the Cardinals, and that's what you want to do, Two things. One, why didn't you just sign a player like that in the offseason when you had the chance? And the answer to that, of course, is Paul DeYoung. They were invested in him, and they wanted to see if he could make it and if he could do it. Early returns suggest he cannot. He has not so far. The other question would be, why wouldn't you just wait until the offseason to sign Bogarts if that's how you feel? If you want to sign him, just do it. He's probably going to opt out at 29. This is his last chance to get a five, six, seven, eight-year deal. Because in three years, if he lets the current deal play out, he'll be 32, 33. That's not gonna, he's not going to get that kind of contract again. And his AAV right now, the way he's hitting, is going to be more than 20. And that's what he's making right now is 20. So no reason not to opt out of basically a three-year, 
$60 million deal, which without options is essentially what he's operating under right now after this season. So I think he will opt out. And he's been hesitant to sign that long deal with Boston. Evidently, the offer that they made, it's not close. He's going to probably test the market. He's going to do it at an interesting time because last year, all those shortstops were competing against one another. He might be one of the bigger fish on the market this offseason if that takes place. And so the reason you'd say not to wait would be, well, the Cardinals could win the World Series this year and he could be the difference. Okay. But if that's the route you want to go, if you're, if you're that willing to spend that money, which I've already explained why I think that's a little bit of a dicey proposition, but if you're willing to do it on this particular player, I would say, all right, wait till the offseason. Sign him if you still have a needed shortstop. But go ahead and call up the player who has 13 home runs in the minor leagues right now at AAA, has an OPS over 1,000. Let him play second. Let Edmund play short and see what they can do. You're not committing to it for life. It's not a life sentence. Just see what it, what it looks like. Because that could be more productive than the lineup you have running out there right now. And it may not be all that worse defensively because Edmund will still be on the field. Bogarts is not a plus shortstop. And so basically it's a, a question of how bad is Gorman at, at second base. Maybe he's a butcher. Who knows? But I think it's comparable enough that the pros of doing that certainly outweigh the, the pros of saying, we're going the pros and cons, I should say, of saying we're going to do this deal. We're going to give up Gorman for this guy. Because Nolan Gorman is one of the top prospects. If you're going to trade him, I bet you could get something that's more secure, a younger model, a guy who could answer something for you long-term, whereas Bogarts answers the lineup long-term. He does not answer you de- defensively long-term, not a shortstop. So that's kind of where I come down on this. If you're willing to do that and pay him that kind of money, do in the offseason. Because I just don't think the Cardinals either could stomach the notion of, yep, we screwed up. We didn't get a shortstop like Corey Seager or Story or whomever. Who, By the way, those guys aren't doing that well this year. Doesn't mean they wouldn't have done well if they came to the Cardinals, but just for the sake of mentioning, that group has not really panned out yet. Baez, same thing, Javi Baez. But if you were going to go that route of spending on shortstop, you didn't have to give up a Nolan Gorman to do it. And as long as you're willing to wait a couple extra months, you still don't have to give up Nolan Gorman to do that. And so that's my complex explanation for why. No, it's not prospect hoarding to say you wouldn't trade for Xander Bogarts. It's having a little bit of foresight. I know flags fly forever. I know that winning a World Series in 2022 would be fantastic for the St. Louis Cardinals. But you're not guaranteed winning that World Series. Like, if you told me for sure that trading away Nolan Gorman would result in a World Series in 2022, done. I don't even care who they're getting. I don't even care if it's a rental. Done. But those guarantees don't happen in sports. You can't know that in advance. And so you might as well just, even if, let's say that adding Xander Bogarts and trading away Nolan Gorman adds three, let's say it adds five extra wins to your regular season tally, and it gives you a 40% better chance of advancing in the postseason beyond what you would have otherwise. I just made those numbers up. But whatever they are, how do the percentages change and how do the win totals change by just putting Nolan Gorman on this roster right now and seeing what he can do? Maybe it's not five extra wins. Is it two extra wins? That's pretty good. Is the percentage 10%? Team has a 10% better chance in the playoffs? Is it a 5% better chance? Whatever it is, I don't think the difference between what adding Bogarts would be for 22 and adding Gorman would be. Pretend you just traded for him and call his, call his ass up. Like, 
I don't think the difference would be substantial enough to say, yeah, it's worth losing this guy for the next six years. Even if this guy ends up not being that good of a player, I still think the process is correct on that because he could be not that good of a player or he could be a great one. We don't know yet. And I think the bat tool is enough to suggest that you think he could be pretty good for a good long while. In theory, he'll still develop and get better and, and not strike out as much and have better play discipline and all those glorious things. But there's a risk there. There's no risk with the bat of Bogarts, essentially. And that's not true. There is always risk, right? We thought Trevor Story and Corey Seager and all those guys would be really good, and they've been kind of mediocre. So there was risk for those teams that acquired those players. But I would say Bogarts, as a hitter, is about as safe as they come. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear me say Bogarts would not help the Cardinals lineup because he would. He absolutely would. But at the same time, I think Gorman could do the same. He could do it for cheaper, which can allow you, not because I am, am stumping for ownership as far as what they need to spend, but at least then when we say, hey, spend money on X, Y, or Z over the next three or five years, it'll be a lot more of a realistic proposition and a criticism if they don't do it. Because they'll they'll have more expendable cash. They'll have more money to move around that wouldn't be locked up in a guy like Bogarts, who would be a great hitter, but I just don't think offensively uh, it's enough to outshine the other problems it could create defensively and with your roster. But if you wanted to do it, I listen, signing Xander Bogarts in the offseason, I would say that's, forget everything I said, become the Phillies, whatever. It costs you nothing but money at that point, so it's fine. But to give up Nolan Gorman to do it after you could have just done something similar for cash in the offseason, you can't do it. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to do it, by the way. It's fun to talk about. It's good fodder, but I don't think it's going to be considered by the team. If there's any element of this that I miss with the Nolan Gorman versus Xander Bogart's trade proposal conversation, let me know on Twitter, at bshafer12. You can tweet at me. You can send me a direct message. You can comment with a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, bshafe Daily on Google Podcasts and Spotify as well. Let me know what you think, because there's a lot of elements to this. The left-handed hitter argument is one that I kind of forgot to make. I, I mentioned it a little bit. You don't have to be a lefty. You have to be able to hit right-handed pitching. But if you have more lefties in the lineup, better odds are you're going to be able to hit righties better. Bogarts can do both. Like I said, I'm not worried about his offense. Just go get him, though. Get him for money in the offseason if you want because you anticipate he's going to be available. And then have Nolan Gorman as a lefty bat in your lineup, too. That's multiple guys, then, that can hit righties and not just one. There may be other elements of this that I missed. Let me know. If that is the case, send me a DM again at, at bshafer12 on Twitter. And let me know what you think. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Probably won't be until Wednesday unless I get a wild hair to do something with lesser audio equipment because I'm not bringing all my expensive stuff on the trip. But I appreciate you guys, as always, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.